Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come and we bow ourselves before you this evening. Lord, we pray that we will be very conscious to whom we are coming and just how holy you are. Lord, we're very mindful of our smallness and we're very mindful of our sinfulness. But Lord, we thank you that, as we heard this morning, that we are reconciled through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And Lord, on that ground, we bring our prayers and our worship to you this evening. We come through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that that is there for us, done on our behalf, completed. Uh, the, work is, the work is completely finished. And Lord, we praise you for that. And as we, as we uh, come to worship you this evening, Lord, fill our hearts with joy and thankfulness. And may there be a keen interest in our hearts and souls as we, as we search the, words of God, the word of God together. We pray that it will come alive to us. We pray, Lord, that our ears will be opened and that our hearts will be receptive to receive your word. And that it might do us good. It might change us, Lord, and, uh, and, and cleanse us and purify us. Lord, use it in whichever way you see fit. And we pray that through all of this, it will bring glory and honour to your holy name. And Lord, that's the very reason that we're gathered this evening. And Lord, we pray that if, maybe that's not the case, if we've come with an indifferent or a hard heart, that Lord, you will soften us and that Lord, you will open the eyes of our heart to see uh, the beauties of Jesus Christ. So come and um, make one in our presence this evening, we pray. And uh, Lord, through it all, be glorified and lifted up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme of this evening is thirsting for God, and with that in mind, we're going to start with a psalm, and it's Psalm 63. Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Well, let's, uh, we're going to sing again, and uh, we are going to be singing of the faithfulness of God, and we're going to sing, Lord, I come before your throne of grace. I find rest in your presence and fullness of joy. In worship and wonder I behold your face. Singing, what a faithful God have I.
Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God. That, Lord, you are the faithful God. And that because of your promises, because of your unfailing love, we can approach you just as we are. And Lord, we thank you that we don't have to dress ourselves up to enter into your presence. But that, Lord, you see us just as we are. You love us despite our sin. And for that, we will be eternally thankful. And Lord, as we approach you, we realise that we are coming uh, to the King of Kings. That Lord, we are um, without Jesus, we are unworthy of your uh, to, to come near to you. But we thank you that we can. We thank you, Lord, that your love is so great, so rich, and so free. And that Lord, you should the fact that you should ever look upon sinners like us is a true wonder of your unfailing love and grace. And Lord. You know that on our minds a lot in the past week has been the death of our Queen and we, uh, we, we are sad and we grieve for, for the loss of um, someone who has been so loyal uh, to our country. And uh, Lord, we, um, we pray that um, you will be with our new King as he takes her place, that Lord, you will give him true faith in Jesus, that Lord, you will give him wisdom and compassion and everything that he needs, Lord, equip him to be a good a good king and a good servant for this country. But Lord, none of this compares to the majesty and the glory of God. That Lord, no no queue will ever get to see you. And uh, But Lord, we are welcomed into your family. Lord, we are no strangers at all to you. But Lord, you're like the, the father in the parable of the prodigal son. You come running out, arms open wide, to greet us. Lord, we don't have, we're so thankful we don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. But that, Lord, you're, you're pleased to see us. That, Lord, that it is your desire and uh, your great joy to have sinners like us to be part of your family. And, Lord, we thank you for the, the hope that that brings us. We thank you that, Lord, no one is too bad or too far away from you. But that, Lord, your love extends uh, even to the greatest sinner. And... We marvel, Lord, because it's a love like no other. It's a love that we can't comprehend or replicate. But we rejoice that we are recipients of it. And we pray, Lord, as we come to you tonight, that we might feel the love of God in our hearts, that we might feel the nearness of your Holy Spirit. We, uh, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that we have an open Bible to study together, to learn more about you, to learn more of ourselves, to learn more about how you would have us to live. And we pray for an opening, an openness and a softness of our hearts to receive it, to believe it and to put it into action. Lord, you know, these things don't come easy to us. And uh, Lord, naturally, we are we uh, we are not good at these things. These are uh, most unnatural characteristics for us. But yet we thank you that you are in the business of changing lives and hearts. And so, Lord, may tonight be a memorable evening together as we look at uh, this, uh, these uh, psalms together. We pray, Lord, that um, we'll get a real, gain a real understanding of what you are saying to us. Help John as he preaches, Lord. We pray that you will help him to speak the words that need to be spoken. Help us to take them in a good spirit. Um, and uh, and uh, we pray that it might all be um, for our good and for your glory. And so, Lord, we want to commit this week um, into your hands. And, Lord, as I say, we, want to, we pray that you'll be with King Charles. We pray, Lord, that you will be um, very... 
um, busy and working tomorrow in the, in the, as, as we see the funeral of the Queen. We ask, Lord, that everything will go smoothly. But, Lord, more than that, what a great platform um, there is to have the gospel spoken. The gospel that we know our Queen believed. And we pray that that might be done with power and conviction. Lord, only your spirit will make the difference, but we pray that the words spoken might be um, true, honest, and, um, and reflective of, of what you are saying in your word. We pray that your spirit might take it and to change the lives of many souls. Lord, you know who your children are, you know who needs to be called, you know who's not listening to you. We pray, Lord, that you will, um, that you will, will shake up those who need to hear a message tomorrow. And what a great opportunity it is, Lord, so we commit it into your hand and pray that it might be uh, for the good of souls um, and for, the, uh, f- f- for uh, fulfilling your kingdom. And Lord, we pray for everyone here tonight who comes with um, different worries and concerns, with different uh, situations in life. We thank you that you know us all, that you have a plan for each of us and that none of us are unknown to you. So Lord, we pray that when we're in the when we're in the heat of the battle, when we have things going on that we just feel so overwhelming, we thank you, Lord, that you are still there. And like the sun always shines behind the clouds, Lord, we know that your face is still looking upon us, that, Lord, you are still there. But there might just be something in the way. We pray, Lord, that you will make the rough places plain and the crooked paths straight. And we know all these things are in your, in your, uh, in your capability. And Lord, as we, we spoke in Rooted this morning about having our prayers answered, Lord, we were encouraged to ask, seek and knock. I pray, Lord, that you will give us each an urgent spirit, in our, uh, an urgent spirit of prayer, that, Lord, to, that, we might, um, that we might be keen, um, uh, keenly knocking on the door of God. And Lord, we thank you that we are promised that the door will be, those that knock, the door shall be opened. And so, Lord, we pray for... Uh, we pray that our uh, prayers now will be answered as we, as we knock on your door now, Lord. We pray that you will hear us and that you will truly be- uh, bless us. We pray that you will remove all distractions from our mind as we worship. Lord, you know that we can get very uh, distracted with, um, with all sorts of things, Lord. Our thoughts can sometimes run away from us. But we pray that our minds will be fixed upon you. For, Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be thought about and heard about and spoken about. And so... We ask, Lord, that you will really draw us close to you tonight, that the Spirit might come and teach us and open our eyes and show us those things um, that you want us to see. We ask all these things now, and the forgiveness of every sin, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Tim's going to come and read uh, Psalm 42 for us. So our second reading is Psalm 42, which is on page 469 in the Church Bibles. So Psalm 42. To the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why you cast down, O my soul, 
And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Thanks, Tim. We're going to sing uh, one more hymn, and then uh, John will come and preach to us. So we're going to sing... uh, be thou my vision. I want, I'm going to read, I think this is the third verse. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart, great God of heaven, my treasure thou art.
Well, I found uh, last Sunday evening's uh, service and message uh, very helpful and challenging. Uh, Mark spoke, if you remember, on uh, what are we hungry for from John chapter 4. And uh, I have a good appetite naturally. And judging by the fellowship meal, many of you have a good appetite naturally as well. Uh, made me think about how keen am I to do God's will, how keen am I to seek the salvation of others, and uh, that's something I need to keep thinking about. Well, hunger and thirst often uh, go together as themes, so this evening we're pursuing a similar theme. I've uh, run it by Mark that I'm following on from his series and he's given me the thumbs up, so we're okay to do that this evening. And we're thinking about the theme of thirst, hence my title. We're going to be looking mainly at Psalm 63, but also a little bit of Psalm 42. And I'm going to read the start of both of them to you. You've had them read, but uh, I think it will kick us off well as we go into our subject. So, Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then, as we just heard, Psalm 42 As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So like hunger, thirst is another deep desire. Uh, Perhaps you remember being thirsty, intensely thirsty. Maybe you were during the summer. We had a pretty hot summer, didn't we? Maybe there were times when you were really thirsty. Perhaps you've been to hot countries. And in hot countries, that thirst stirs up quicker. We noticed when we were in Spain, uh, many more of the towns and uh, cities have, have fountains because people are thirsty and they want that thirst satisfied. Well, here these Psalms, and especially Psalm 63, that we're mainly in, talk of thirsting. And I'm going to be thinking about five questions in relation to it, which I want us to go through. I'll give you them quickly at the outset, but we'll take them one at a time. We're thinking about what does he thirst for? When does he thirst? What stirs his thirst? Who is thirsting? And what happens to that thirst? So that's where we're going this evening. Uh, We're not going to be thorough covering every aspect of the Psalms and not even every aspect of Psalm 63, but I I hope they know we're not not thorough. We are thought-provoking. I hope to get you starting to think on what I believe is actually a really um, critical theme. I don't want to overstate it. It's a very important theme, I think, that we're looking at this evening. So, we're thinking about what does he thirst for? And there's a simple answer. 
God. He thirsts for God. Psalm 63 verse 1 O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. Psalm 42 As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Have you ever felt a thirst like that? A thirst for God. Do you feel a a thirst like that? A thirst for God. Um, Not the extras, uh, not his gifts, not the religious ceremonies, not just the company that comes with it, but for God himself. There may be here a, a sense of, I so need you, Lord, to take up my case. I so need you to come in justice and grace. But the wording at the start of these things is very clear. It is for God himself. Psalm 42. He thirsts for the living God. The God who is alive. The God who may be known. The God who relates. The God who is life-giving. In Psalm 63, he thirsts for a personal God. His personal God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you because I know you and you are my God and we have relationship and I thirst for you. There is a strong desire for God. Psalm 42. Earnestly I seek you. That's Psalm 63 actually. Earnestly I seek you. Maybe you were caught thirsty in the summer and you were... You are hunting round for a newsagent or a corner shop or a supermarket because you wanted to get a bottle of water. Maybe you've been on a long hike or a long bike ride and you've been looking for a a cafe or a, a nice pub or a shop just to quench your thirst. Earnestly, I seek you. Tozer A.W. Tozer writes on this theme and his chapter following hard after God in his book The Pursuit of God is very thought provoking. He says, I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us into our present low estate. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. 
My soul, Psalm 63, first for God. This is a deep down thirst. I don't know if you get this sometimes after exercise. As you know, I I go for a bit of a slow run uh, on Fridays quite often. And I find in the afternoon that often I have a, a deep inner feeling which is different. It's a dehydrated feeling deep down and I, I just know I need some water. And this is a deep, it's not a superficial, this is a deep, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints, there's a, a desperation, there's a wilting, there, there's a, a consumed longing to be satisfied, to have God himself. There's an animal in the frame in Psalm 42. Uh, Having seen animals thirsty and drink is a quite pleasant experience. I saw a few photos which I picked up online as I was thinking about this. Thirsty animals going to the water holes, going to the river or doing something a little bit different in the case of one of them. And of course the one that is most tied in here is the one in the top left. The deer that has got to the flowing streams. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Animals thirsting. We notice it with our dog when, when we go for a walk and it's been quite a long walk then she starts to go down the ditches and she goes to the low areas and she's just looking for water. We find with our dog, I don't know why it is, I don't know if it's the same with your dog, um, that our dog doesn't bark for food. Uh, she looks at you in a very sort of sorrowful way. Uh, she raises a paw sometimes but she doesn't bark for food, but for when her water bowl is empty, she does bark. She feels it's, she's got a right to bark. And so we go in there and she's sat by a water bowl which is empty. She's barking. She's thirsty. She needs some water. Do you know it is to long for God, to be earnestly seeking God, to be wanting the satisfaction of of God's presence and his blessing. So that is, what does he thirst for? God. When does he thirst? Well, it's always good to desire God. It should be constant ongoing. Uh, you may have heard of John Piper. He's uh, been a famous preacher in America over recent decades and uh, his, his ministries are called Desiring God Ministries. It's a good title, isn't it? Desiring God. That, that should be a frequent aspect of what we are like. But in these uh, two Psalms, there are some circumstances and maybe it would just be helpful to notice that and, and see the relevance to us. So in, in Psalm 63... Uh, uh, verse naught, really, Psalm 63, verse naught. And before we start the psalm, in the title which we, we had read, you see that uh, David is in the wilderness of Judah. He's in the wilderness of Judah. And uh, that inspired the thought, or made him reflect on this thought. So the 
I know you have seen pictures of Masada. Maybe you've been down to Masada. It's very dry area. We were privileged to go down towards Masada when we went to Israel. And, and what strikes you is just how barren the whole area is. It's just, just dry rock wherever you look. And that's where he is. That's where he's got to. And it makes him think of dryness and thirst and water and it expresses his feeling about God. But it's likely that he's on the run here from Absalom. It's covered in 2 Samuel 15 to 17. So David had big family problems and there was a a national crisis and he'd been turned out of his own home and turned out of his own city and he's in a state of tremendous distress. He's actually being hunted down and in that situation he thirsts for God. And it can sometimes be the distress and the drama which jolts us, which drives us, which makes us realise our need and gives us that extra renewed thirst for God. Maybe we become a bit remote from God, unfeeling, unthoughtful about God. It happens so easily to all of us. But you run into difficult times. And it's really switched things on. There's now a thirst for God. Psalm 42 seems to be a time of, of, of depression and, and lowness. Verses 3 to 5. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And there can be low times for Christians. Some Christians go through a lot of low times. If you're going through low time or depression, it's not unusual for Christians to sometimes experience those things. There are times when we're missing out on fellowship. That's what this person is longing, looking back to the times when he used to be with others, worshipping God, and that's not the case now. And in that lowness, that depression, that sense of missing out, he is aware of, or he's renewed in, a thirst for the living God, for his God. Well, maybe you've found that in the past. Renewed thirst because of your circumstances, your lowness. Maybe you're finding it just now. Or maybe you want to bank the lesson because you might be finding it at some point in the future. So, when does he thirst? Well, it's right to always thirst. The Apostle Paul says in the letter to the Philippians that I may know him as an ongoing thirst. But here there are also some particular circumstances which bring the thirst to the fore. 
What stirs his thirst? We're especially on Psalm 63 now. I'm sorry if it's been too much for you to straddle the two. We're in Psalm 63 only now. What stirs his thirst? Well, the mood of Psalm 63 is a little bit more positive than the other psalm. More praising, more joyful, especially as you go on. And in it, he remembers things about God that stir his thirst, his passion, his desire, his longing. He's been at the tabernacle before and at the, in the tabernacle there were lots of things which reminded him of God and what he had done. He remembers things in his past life and these stir up the thirst. Great verses. Love, love these verses. Love Psalm 63 generally actually but he, um, he remembers the power and glory of God. Verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. And that, that was a good time. He remembers that. The reminders of the power and the glory of God. And as he thinks back to it, it sort of whets his appetite. And maybe you find that sometimes. You, you look back to times when you've had a greater grasp of the power of God, of the glory of God. Perhaps you were reading parts of the Bible and the Psalms were so good. Or Exodus really declared to you the character of God. Or you read the Gospel of John. Or you read a Christian book. I think back to times when I read the Tozer books. When I read Knowing God by Packer when I read The Message of the Living God by Peter Lewis. And there were times when I encountered the power and the glory of God and there were good times and I think back to them, it stirs it up again. Or maybe there was a talk series or a sermon series or a podcast series which touched you on the incomparability of God. On the glory of God, on the grace of God. Or maybe when you think of Jesus, John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You think of that and you thirst to understand more. Or you dip into 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and you hear Paul saying, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Or the next little bit further, for God who said Let light shine out of darkness has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And you say, I want more of that. Thinking of your power and glory, I'm thirsty. The power and glory of God. The steadfast love of God stirs it. What a verse, verse 3 is. Because your steadfast love is better than life. 
my lips will praise you. You see how he values the steadfast love of God? The steadfast love of God is better than life itself. It means everything to him. Of course it matters more. It is more important than life. In the reflections that were read on Tuesday uh, for Kathleen Rao, it said at one point, uh, she drew so much strength from her faith in the Lord Jesus. When she lost her vision more recently, Tim spent a day with her just as this reality was sinking in and she was clearly troubled. But some words from Romans 8 were a real comfort for her. She knew that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The steadfast love of God is better than life. And when you remember that, it stirs you to thirst, to know more of, to be reminded of it. The power and glory of God, the steadfast love of God, the protective help of God. Verse 7. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Thinks back to the times and God has been a great help to him. Puts it in wonderful picture language. In the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. What's going on outside? What's happening out there? Lots is happening out there, but I don't care, he's really saying. My Lord is close. I am safe. And I am singing. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. As the hymn goes, the storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me. And can I be dismayed? And when you think of the protective help of God, the power and glory of God, the steadfast love of God, don't you find that it stirs a thirst? Is this microphone going in and out? Is it a battery problem or is it just, it's okay? It's okay, good. Don't you find it it's, uh, stirs you up? I think actually in many ways he finds his own thirst is being quenched as he thinks about these things. Verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Press on, I'm still aiming for the 7.25 finish of the sermon so I think we're on schedule. Who does the thirsting? Who does the thirsting? And this often has impressed me. And it seems very timely to pick it out, really. It's in verse 11. But the king shall rejoice in God. So it's the king who has written this psalm, which is part of David's kingship. That's why we think it's the Absalom period. The king shall rejoice in God. Reminds me of Psalm 21 and verse 7, where you get something quite similar. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. 
Oh, it's good that somebody in a, a sort of high position should be looking to the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, thirsting for the Lord. Maybe you've got a, a degree of position, not a king, but you've got a degree of responsibility. It's good where people in positions of authority have this sort of heart. And it's something, I think, to pray for our king. We, we have a king now, don't we? We have a king. And uh, it would be good if uh, the earthly king of this country could say, the king shall rejoice in the Lord. The king shall trust in the Lord. And we've quite wondered what was going on in the heart of our king over the years. And I don't know if you're like me, I was encouraged by the strength with which he said certain things in the last couple of weeks about his link to the Christian faith. Well, it's something to pray for. The king will feel this way. But when we read of the king in the Psalms, it should make us think of the king. Because all the Psalms really ultimately point to the King of Kings, or point to the Lord Jesus Christ. So how might that connect with thirsting? Well, the Lord Jesus had 40 days in the wilderness. The Lord Jesus had a, a time where he was abandoned and rejected and betrayed. Uh, there was a, a time when he lost that sense of fellowship with the Father and felt deeply that sense of forsakenness. There was a time when he said, I thirst. As he felt naturally an intense thirst, but as well, I think, reflecting spiritually a deep sense of thirst. So it does point us to Jesus. Who does the thirsting? The king. Good to pray for our king, but points us to Jesus. And that leads us on to the last thing, last question. What happens to the thirsting? This is where it sent me, as I thought it a bit more yesterday. I hope it is helpful. What happens to the thirsting? Well, we've already moved to verse 11. The king shall rejoice in God. It's in the last part, verses 9 to 11. And the last part points to his triumph and his accomplishment. He, he, he triumphs and is satisfied. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. There is deliverance, there is satisfaction, there is victory. That is what he's looking forward to at the end of the psalm. The thirsting for God's intervention would be met and would be over. And so that would be true of Jesus. The period of I thirst would subside. And there would be resurrection. And there would be ascension. And there would be glorious renewed fellowship with his father. But so also, 
it will be true of us as believers. As we head to glory, these deep longings will be finally satisfied. Revelation 7 and verse 15 takes us to glory. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Natural thirst will be gone. Apparently it is sadly one of the the difficulties towards the end of life, sometimes an intense thirst which is quite difficult to satisfy. Well that, that doesn't get taken with them into glory. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. But our spiritual thirst met wonderfully in the presence of God, in the presence of living waters, with the language pictured of the river flowing through the city, with the leaves for the healing of the nations. A place of final satisfaction, naturally, mentally, socially, spiritually, with Christ, which is far better. The final culmination of the root of thirsting for God. Well, maybe an aspect of these psalms or of answering those five questions has struck a chord for you this evening. Just allow a a brief while for you to pray in response before we sing our last song. Well, you won't be surprised at the last hymn, the last song. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you.
Oh Lord, you have given us a, a thirst for you. But we pray that this evening may have stirred up that thirst uh, more intensely. We have seen your power and your glory, your steadfast love, and known of your protective help. But Lord, let us find that as we think about such things, that we long to know it more personally, more really, and more dominantly in our minds and lives. We thank you for our Saviour who went through all that he did and could declare that he thirsted because of what he took upon himself. We thank you for the satisfaction that is ahead of believers where there is no more thirst. Bless us and encourage us, teach us by your word we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.